As cities around the world adapt to rapid urbanization, attention to the health of urban populations is critical. ISUH Conversations is the only podcast focusing exclusively on the broad factors of urban health. We understand that the health challenges and opportunities in urban environments are complex. Our guests are urban health influencers who come from many sectors. If you are a researcher, educator, policymaker, practitioner, community leader, or urban health advocate, these conversations will resonate with you. In this podcast, Dr. Yannette Thomas, the Executive Director of ISUH, and I talk to these urban health influencers to capture their ideas and continue to advance the knowledge of urban health. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host. Let's meet our guest. Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. Yonette, I am thrilled. You keep bringing these amazing people to us to have conversations with. And uh, this time, we are talking with Dr. Sainath Banerjee. He's an anthropologist by training and has his PhD in population genetics. Well, I know I want to talk about that. He is also the senior capacity building specialist uh, for the Ministry of Health in India, working under the National Urban Health Mission. Dr. Sanath, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome, Sanath. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure. And I just want to add one more thing to that illustrious bio is, uh, Mark, Sanath is a, an ISUH board member. Well, see, there so you go. Even more so, we're even more happy to have him in that context as well. I'd, I'd love to start there. Um, how long have you been a board member? Uh, I joined uh, in the last year with the board. And how how did that, I'm, a, I'm always curious with board members how that came to pass. How, what was the uh, what was the ask and what was your response? Of course, you said yes, but I'm I, I love hearing these stories. Uh, I think you know, b- b- being a board member of ISUH is a quite a, uh, you know exciting and thrilling position. Not only because of the uh, uh, the scope and nature of you know the task. If you you make some kind of contribution uh, through the board. Uh, you'll be able to put, make a, a kind of dent uh, globally because it is the institute which is making a kind of in setting up the whole urban health agenda globally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm quite thrilled to working with IUCH board and the leadership position. Yeah. Now, um, Sainath, uh, maybe you can share with our audience as a board member, um, the working group that you you are currently involved with, I think it's the Community Solutions Work Group. Would you like yeah. to tell a little yes. bit about that? Okay, so uh, what uh, we have recently constituted uh, the, uh, the subcommittee taking people from the board <clears throat> and the, this particular subcommittee is uh, is committed to develop a working committee for community-based solution. So in this particular, this has happened the last year in the Coimbra in Portugal International Conference on Urban Health whereby we invited like-minded people who wanted to contribute and participate in this particular group. And they, this, they wanted to use this platform to share the knowledge which is happening globally or on one health. And people are experimenting on the process of, you know, by engaging community and trying to make some kind of innovation model 
in the different parts of the world. So this is the, uh, the platform which we wanted to continue and we invite people who are interested to be part of this group and an exciting journey. Mm. Excellent. And, you know, we're talking about the International Society for Urban Health. One of the major roles that ISUH plays is as a convener. And, um, you know, when Mark asked you how you became a board member, I do remember meeting you for the first time at the San Francisco conference. Um, right. where right. we, we collaborated with the geographers. And then yeah. that led to, you, you brought a whole delegation of, of, uh, of folks from your um, constituent India. organizations in India. And right. um, you were very engaged. And from there on, uh, we, we saw that we could in, in, engage you with the board as well. And then next you were at the uh, Coimbra meeting, um, which you right. just talked about. So obviously our, our ISUH, the ICOH, the International Conference in Urban Health, plays a major role in convening um, people from around the globe around urban health issues. Right. So right. I want to ask you, um, taking that lead, um, obviously you are an urban health influencer, um, and we see you as such. So tell us a little, tell us about your work as an urban health influencer and how that intersects with the mission of ISUH. Okay. So uh, I frankly, and to be candid, I don't know whether I can label me as a urban influencer because, you know, uh, never uh, consciously act as influencer to promote urban health agenda. Rather, it has happened very organically. Let me let me explain how things has happened. Uh, actually, it started uh, uh, actively working on urban health way back 2002, uh, 2003, when India was not ready to take up this urban health agenda at all. So we started with a small pilot program in eastern part of India with the USAID assistance. <clears throat> Prior to that, I was working in the rural area with the tribal communities, indigenous communities in the area of maternal child health grant from, again, USAID uh, Washington. So now, when I, we started working on the urban health, uh, interacting with the community, first I realized there is an issue which called listed versus unlisted. Let me try to explain what is that. In Indian context, I'm talking about, if you go to the slum area, there are slums which are listed in the municipal corporation list. That means they are notified slum. So notified means they're entitled for all kind of basic services. Mm -hmm. So it's healthcare, water supply, road, housing, uh, subsidized rate, food, etc. Mm -hmm. But there are slums within that some slum environment which are not listed. That means they are outside the purview of government development agenda. Yes. Unfortunately, people who are more vulnerable, they are the occupant or habitant of those unlisted slum. And if you see the quantum, because in India, you have to think about the number, quantum. So if you see in the state by state, this number varies from 27% to as much as 30, sometimes over 30. I'm talking only the unlisted slum population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that means 
within a city, try to imagine a situation, if there are 100 people or 100 slums, 30%, actual the number of slums is 130. But 30s, the additional 30s are not within the government system. So therefore, government is not liable to provide services. Yeah. This is a huge number. So this, this issue, and then also when we started, you know, systematically analyze between the people who are living on the unauthorized slum versus authorized, there is significant health indicators differences. Yes. So, so, so people who are residing there, they're worst off than the people living in the listed slum. Mm -hmm. Then, the, the, you know, there are many, many learnings. One, one interesting learnings, which always I talked about, you know, the great Indian two, three, four, five syndrome, which means if you talked about the population demographic changes yes. at the national level, Indian, the 2%, then big cities, 3%, 4% urban and 5% slum population growth. That means the maximum in the slum level. Yes. So all this learning actually helped us to, you know, continuously documentation learning in different settings in the India. As a result of that, when we did all these kind of you know efforts and systematic documentation, then a publication documentation, the research, a newspaper article that actually you know arose uh, an interest among the program people, policymakers, even sometimes parliamentarian. Mm -hmm. They started giving reference of the data of our program. Yes. Yes. And, and finally. What happened when they, they, the government of India saw that kind of interest, they constituted a committee and they asked to probe. And when the probing came, ultimately, we shared the hardcore evidence, the data part, we yes. show the process part, and we show the learning part. This actually inspired government of India to formulate national urban health mission. The, the struggle started 2002 ended on 1st May 2013. So that's the journey. And if you tell me influencer that way, yes, yes that way. Well, we I are. Think, <laughs> I, you were being you, very you modest. Qualify. Yes. You are an urban health influencer and we, um, we, we must acknowledge that. Um, what, what I would like to, you know, continue on in this, this, this vein, here you are, you created a project, work with US, got USA to fund it, and you showed using data um, and showed specifics and engaged. This is a classic case of using data to help policymakers identify and respond to a, an urban health problem. How can we work with you at ISUH to use that as a model for other, other um, municipalities and entities? Uh, very interesting question. I think... I, I think if you uh, see the kind of work that we have done, that the, the, the classic India case study that I shared, mm -hmm. I see ISUH at the international level, at the global level, they are the clear four areas. Whenever I think ISUH, what are the area and possible collaboration? One is first advocacy. You know, that's the core strength I see in International Society of Urban Health. You mean advocacy? Then, Did you say advocacy? Yeah, advocacy. Yes. Advocacy. Okay. The second is implementation research. 
third is knowledge support and fourth is networking uh-huh. you know in our case if you if you have seen we started implementation first gathering evidences on ground analyzing the data and then we went to advocacy you know uh-huh. it came it's a very logical progression but iuscuh because of the low position they are already globally positioned as an agency which is champion on urban health yeah so we could start with the advocacy that's the area that's the forte but i feel sometimes if you have your own evidence if you have done your program through your own team you have a better grasp you can i mean there are many institutions which are engaged with advocacy on through meta analysis secondary data etc but you know keeping in mind the complexity of urban health issues and ever changing scenario i think icuh should have an field presence and implementation if they wanted to influence at the global level so that would give a kind of additional you know impetus knowledge support the other area where we can work because you know i don't know sometimes i think very loudly probably uh, the some of the countries which are changing very rapidly in urbanization they may ask for can you give us some of the predictor of health predictor in future 15 years 20 years down the line so based on kind of investment based on the emergence of disease pattern based on infrastructure of the country can we make some kind of landscape or future predictor of urban health you know for some countries mm-hmm. so this for, for these again would be required vast data probably panel data or maybe you know longitudinal study uh, uh, over a period of time mm-hmm. collection analysis of the data would give that kind of you know predictor mm-hmm. so that's the area probably in the knowledge area because you know the most critical part in urban health the most important learning i have learned that whenever we are dealing with the city probably maybe we are residing in the city 15 20 years mm-hmm. but our knowledge is very very limited we don't know the stakeholder we know the don't know the people we don't know the system and top of that every six months eight, one year there is, there is a change so we can work on that and obviously networking is an important area because many institutions at the asian region i can only say in asia and indian context mm-hmm. they started and credit goes to both DMGF USAID primarily American Indian Foundation and many Indian institution they are funding on urban health agenda and mm-hmm. of late government of india's interest through national urban health mission to address urban health issues yes yes i really like your idea sanas of the implement of uh, these four buckets i would call them four buckets advocacy implementation uh research knowledge support and networking. networking. Um, the one thing however as um as ISUH is a, an association of members and um will use networks to weave and develop um a, a landscape of opportunities for these four buckets to occur. And I th- I see that oftentimes our constituents themselves we 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 won't compete with our constituents what we will do is engage take what they're doing and provide a platform because so many of our members are themselves researchers they're out in the field conducting research so 
I think one of the things we can, I, I see us working with you on is figuring out how to engage and, and, and um, um, amplify the research being conducted by our constituent members in the context of implementation and in the context of knowledge support and creating a body um, that allows our members to collate and coalesce their research data in a context that will allow us to create network advocacy, to do advocacy and create broader networks. Right. You know, and I think um, your thinking is very instrumental in helping us do that. Right. <coughs> Yannette, I think this is a, uh, you know, a good time to think about how ISUH Connect mm -hmm. is going to help in this regard as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being able to build these collaborative workspaces. And as at each conversation we have, we learn a little bit more of how that deep profile is constructed so we know how to find the right people to uh, make connections with, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, yeah. Sinath, you're familiar with the <laughs> ISOH Connect con concept that we have in terms of yeah. a collaboratorium because you were one of the testers for this, if you recall. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so it's, it's, it's all interconnected. And Mark is correct. This is what we're thinking. Um, and, as an opportunity to develop that process for which we can engage our members around these four buckets that you've identified. Sainath, I have a, a content question for you. One of the things that's come up repeatedly in the show is the, um, the relationship between the, the data and the decision. Let's say that right, the, the researchers, the collecting of the data, how all of that happens. And, and we've heard from people all over the world about that and that how that is used by the data deciders, right, the politicians, the government, and how you said that the, um, when the government saw what you had done with the, the research, the science, the probes, all of that, they became interested. And yeah. I'm curious, for the person who's listening right now, that feels like the bridge between the dis the data and the decider. Um, I see a picture here, Yonet. Yes. Uh, what is it, what are the, give me three success factors that as researchers, because we have, most of our uh, listeners are going to be in that camp. They're not the data deciders. We have a few. What are the three critical success factors to make that bridge complete? Okay. Mark, you opened up a very exciting chapter of my, you know, journey in urban health, uh, whereby I have seen from very close quarter how a data actually makes this such a powerful tool, and how it can influence uh, to make a whole lot of new program, especially the country like India, which is still considered is agrarian society. Uh, our people numerically, uh, they are living in the rural area. So we are yet to be fully urbanized. <clears throat> Though globally, if you see, there are three cities, mega cities are from India and probably we are heading towards creating more mega cities. Uh, that's uh, the different topic altogether. Coming back to your point, you know, uh, when we started this journey, first important task because 
people who are not ready to listen, to be honest, even the policymaker, there is a lot of apprehension whether India is required at all in urban health program. Because it's a government, if you understand, it's a commitment. It's a budget commitment. Government is not two years, there is a program, and after two years, they want you to close the shop, they will go away. No, it's a permanent commitment. So what we did, we probed the issue with the data. We segregated the data based on, it's not between rural urban. We took the urban data, segregated the data based on wealth quintiles. So there are people who are wealthy off. If you take their sample, if that will give you, you know, indicator of lunization coverage, all health indicators, very high and rosy picture. But if you only deal with the people living in the slum, urban, disadvantaged section, that will give a very different kind of picture altogether. So based on wealth quintile, when we analyze the data, segregate the data, the data actually become a lethal weapon to convince the decision maker, here is your data. And what we did, we didn't do survey by our own. We used the government data. And then we also took the help from U.S. University and Indian institution also to develop our own methodology. So methodology, foolproof methodology, database is no one in a position to challenge the data because it's a government authenticated data. With analysis, when the picture came, ultimately government has to take that, you know, the argument. So that was the power of data. I and my all of my colleague and whoever was the part of the journey, we have seen from the close quarter how the data is making a decision. That sounds very satisfying, Unit. Remarkable. You know, um, Sarnath, I, I have to ask you this question, both as a board member and uh, as someone who is dedicated to ISUH. How should ISUH engage its membership to foster greater involvement and collaboration and um, I promise you this is the last question. It's an important question, and I, I want to end with this. Okay. No, I'm uh, enjoying the conversation. We can continue. Anyway, <laughs> and now coming back very quickly, uh, IUCH, I very briefly talked about in the last Portugal conference also, and if I remember correctly, you know, every time I, I want to see, you know, from the perspective of the members, mm-hmm. Because we have not started yet, though this was my one of my submissions to the, the board that we should immediately start institutional level membership. I don't know whether we have started that. We but have. Yes, yes, I know that's yeah. So so largely at the individual level or maybe institutional level, what they want to see from ISH, they want to see the source of knowledge information. It's, it's an institution where they can access a data set if they wanted to see the global data. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to be part of a global initiative on urban health because it is already established. ISCH is a global platform. And also, you know, the creating a, a, a kind of bridge with like-minded people on the subset or sub-issue, sub-thematic area of urban health like we created with the Bangladesh, uh, the community-based working yes, yes. kind of. So they wanted to see, so this is the kind of aspirations with which individuals wanted to attach. But if you see the institution level, 
probably institution will come with a bigger mandate and agenda. Yeah. So they will come for advocacy purpose. They wanted to probably joint study or collaborative research or probably creating a new chapter on our regional chapter on IUCH. Yes. So each institution and individual has a different level of uh, you know, aspiration. And I believe very strongly if we can have positions to motivate our institution and as well as individuals, especially the young scholar who are yes. coming the, with a lot of aspiration, I consider them each of them is an ambassador of IUCH. Absolutely. And we, we should give them an opportunity to be part of this movement. We probably give, we, we should identify the bright champions, motivated, self-motivated and very highly committed to be part of, you know, we can give some kind of internship with yes. your IUCH headquarter or maybe if we in a position to create a regional chapter, they might be part of the regional chapter as well. Yes. And lastly, I think most importantly, what I talked uh, a couple of times, that the, this is the right time to create some of the regional chapter with like-minded institution. So there will be more reach. Uh, IUCH, people should know whoever working in the isolated. If I see someone is working in the very isolated place in Maharashtra, that that person should know. Here is an institution. If I knock them, I'll get the right kind of data information and also platform at the global level. Yes, absolutely. And and Sainath, I want to acknowledge that, you know, we've had many of these conversations, you and I, we had certainly in Coimbra, and the ISUH Connect is really intended to begin this process. Because once we have a place and a sense of um, organization for our members to engage around concepts, areas of interest, um, data, advocacy, um, um, you know, developmental um, engagement ideas, then we can begin to create that broader network. And we can hear from people, where, what region are you in? We have 30 members who are in the Asia Pacific region who want to form a cluster right. of their own or right. in the Latin America and the Caribbean. So, so we are well on our way to um, creating the right. framework for leading us in that direction. So I, right. I, I encourage you to, to keep, <laughs> stay with us as we, yes, as yes. we develop this and, and continue yeah. to help us um, create that structure. So I want to thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, and you're, yeah. you're, you're talking with us um, in spite of the difficulty in the weather, it's monsoon time, and the, in spite of yeah. the difficulty with the connections, but we are a global organization. So this is how we, we connect with each other. Um, I'm in Maryland, right. Mark is in Santa Barbara, you're in, you're in Delhi. So in Delhi. this represents ISUH indeed. So thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank Doctor, you. thank you so much. Uh, there was a, a very, very good conversation. You, uh, uh, our listener can't see you, but your energy and enthusiasm is just lit up all over your face. And uh, that makes uh, these conversations so much fun. And so I want to thank our listener. We went a little over time, which was fine. It was a great conversation. I didn't want to cut it off. Uh, Dr. Yannette, thank you so much. And until you, uh, we have our next show, we'll be talking to everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find more ISUH conversations on our website at isuh.org or subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Our website also features upcoming events and a members area 
where you can meet and collaborate with your peers.